0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. So, my message today, um, the title of it is Coming Out of Babylon. How many of you believe that America desperately needs an awakening? That the church desperately needs revival? And it's more than just a revival of the church. Bill Johnson has a quote that he says, every past revival is just a corpse of a denomination. That hits pretty heavy. The traditions and doctrines of men are the only thing that make the word of God of no effect. Oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where there's an outpouring that happens for a season. And with each progressive season, each progressive encounter with the Lord, God brings revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to the church for us to walk into maturity, to go into all the nations and preach the word. So whether it be John Alexander Dowie, the healing apostle, he brought back the apostolic ministry into the church, an understanding of the fivefold. He brought back healing, signs, and wonders. If, whether it be John uh, Mariah Woodsworth Eder, which... That lady was amazing. If you've ever wanna study an awesome woman of God, this woman would show up and just raise her hand like this and she would fall into trances and ecstasies and people within a 50 mile radius would begin to encounter God and they'd see visions of heaven or hell, whatever their soul needed to see. So without even a touch of your hand, without even a word spoken from the pulpit, people were encountering Jesus. That's revival. That's revival. Whether it was Amy Simple McPherson, Another wonderful woman of God that just a revivalist and understood destiny. They said that she was a, a woman of destiny, that she would release men and women, release nations into the destiny, the plans and purposes that God had for them. Or Smith Wigglesworth, he brought back the word of faith movement where people could just stand in faith that, hey, the Bible says, scripture says, just because it's not manifesting in my life, I believe that it's there and I can stand and decree and declare until that thing is established. And every revival, every outpouring of the Lord has brought back a revelation of one thing. And it's not the church, it's the kingdom. That's right. yes. That's right. It's not the church, it's the kingdom. There has been countless revivals. Every generation has seen a revival. And the Lord has been breaking my heart. I'm reading a really good book. It's called Why They Stay. And in this, in this book, they do a study. And 75 years ago, a generation in America, 75 years ago, that's not that long. Only 35% of the nation was, was an unbeliever. That's insane. And to contrast that with today, this generation, it's said that only 95%, 95% are unbelievers. So only 5% of this generation are actually believers. Now, of course, this is the beginning of a generation, so we might see a a gap of 10%, but still that's astonishing to imagine that there's a generation that does not know God. So we are in desperate need. We're in desperate need for God to pour out his spirit on all flesh for us to come into the saving knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ, to go into all the nations and preach the gospel. Every kingdom outpouring, I would prefer to call on that, Every kingdom outpouring has come with the one purpose to empower the church to come into maturity, to then be sent out so that his word would be established in the earth. But the church in America right now, you look at it, and if the Bible says the, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, the prayers of the American church are not. Righteousness has been divided from our church. We've seen, uh, we've seen the church step into error and in many ways into the kingdom of Babylon. And the church, because of that, the declarations, the prayers that are coming out of the body, they're of no effect. And we've rendered ourselves weak and powerless in this nation so that when the shifting and the shaking that is happening today When we stand in the gap for the unbelievers, our words are falling to the ground. So the Lord has really been breaking my heart, just breaking my heart for this battle that I've been seeing over the kingdoms. We are in a desperate time. We are in a time I like to call it the fullness of time. My grandpa, when he heard about this billion-soul harvest, my grandfather was a minister in Africa for his whole life and he's seen amazing things. He's seen revival after revival, outpouring after outpouring, incredible things that have shifted and and shaped a nation. And when he heard about this billion-soul harvest, he said, I don't think we're ready for that yet. There's not enough chaos. (laughs) I'd say we're we're there now. The harvest is ripe. It's ready. But we as a church have to come out of agreement. We as a church have to repent. We as a church have to break our ties with the kingdoms of this earth and set ourselves apart to sit on that holy hill that is high above every other kingdom. And from that place, our declarations will shift and shape the culture around us. There's a burning within my spirit. And we've all heard this. We've all heard this. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. There's one thing that's not often preached from the pulpit today in America, and that is repentance. Oftentimes, toleration is preached. Inclusivity is preached. That allow all things to all people. People can be on their own path. But it's time for us to come out of Babylon. And for us to, as a body, we have to break our ties we have to stand in the gap for the church in America to begin to administer righteousness to them and extend grace over them so that they too can come out of corruption. So to properly understand what Babylon is, uh, I kind of wanted to lay a little bit of a foundation. In 2012, there was a prophecy, and unfortunately, I don't remember who gave it. It just stuck in my spirit. And this prophecy said that... uh, We're coming out of the church age and into the age of the kingdom. And oftentimes with the prophecy that is so simple, but it carries so much weight, it takes a few years for that to begin to manifest. And this was in 2012. And I'm seeing now more and more of the separation between light and darkness, where the separation between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this earth And I believe that the church age, when revival came, that it revived a generation of people to establish churches to bring maturity into the body. But now we will see an outpouring that establishes a kingdom. In Matthew 24, uh, it kind of lays the foundations for this. Uh, there's some hidden mysteries in in the scriptures. There's hidden mysteries, and I think it's pertinent for us to really comprehend what these kingdoms are and how they came about, and how biblically sound they really are. Oftentimes, we find ourselves when we're talking about the kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness, it's just those two things. It's like the devil's kingdom, and then you have God's kingdom, and then there's just this war in the unseen realm, right? But there's actually hidden things. There's mysteries that are revealed in the scriptures that I I just kind of want to unpack so that we can rightly divide between soul and spirit whenever those things come in from outer darkness. So how many of you guys have read in Revelation where you see the description of uh, like the, the harlot and the beast and all that stuff, and you're like, that is the craziest scene I've ever, what are they talking about? That is weird. You know, this woman with seven heads and ten horns sitting on top of a scarlet beast, and there's like all of these mountains underneath, it's weird, it's weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but even within uh, Revelation 17, they kind of unpack that, and they start to describe um, what each of those pieces mean, what John was really seeing. And I believe it's important for us as a church to, to have knowledge in this subject so that we don't find ourselves in error and actually stepping into false doctrines in these last days. Because how many of you know that the devil is is out And he's trying to plant seeds of doubt, seeds of corruption, seeds of compromise into our spirits and our hearts and minds and in the body of Christ so that we come out of agreement with Zion and into agreement just in part with Babylon. So in Genesis uh, 10, 8 through 9, this is a weird scripture to kind of unpack revelation, but... um, it kind of lays the foundation. So Genesis, it's, I love the book of Genesis. It's the beginning of all things. And if you need interpretation for scripture, you probably will find it in Genesis. And a lot of times if you're reading the word and there's something that pops up, and you're like, what does that mean? Go back to Genesis, read the first book. Because in that book, god it's the law of first mention. God lays the foundation for everything that we see here in the earth. So the foundational truth that we actually find here for what Babylon really is, is here it says, Cush begot Nimrod, so Genesis 10, 8 through 9, and he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Most people, including myself, when you read that, you read it like a newspaper headline just, oh, great, he's a good hunter. (laughs) That's awesome. But if you actually look at the scripture, the names and the breakdown of that sentence, Nimrod is the Hebrew word for rebellion. Began is a Hebrew word that means to profane or desecrate. Mighty one means powerful tyrant. Earth means the whole earth. And before actually means in the face of. It's like a haughtiness, like right in God's face. So if you reinterpret that scripture through the names and the meanings in Hebrew, what it actually says is that Nimrod was this powerful tyrant, and he conquered the people he pushed them down and then created a religion for himself. And in that place, he built himself up to be God. And in pride and haughtiness, he sat on the top of that ziggurat, the mountain that you see in Revelation, the seven mountains. You see the, the indication that the, the plans of the enemy is not only, not only to establish the kingdom, but to conquer the people. So to push them down and to build one world, you see in Revelation 17, they describe that there is a seventh and an eighth to come and they will all give their powers over to one, right? So there'll be one power that begins to push outer darkness and into the outer darkness. And he builds Babel. Now, Babel, once again, this this is a hidden mystery, right? So Babel means confusion, it means chaos. And what happens whenever they build Babel? God says, I'm gonna divide you. And there is a hidden secret in Deuteronomy 32. In Deuteronomy 32, they talk about the division of the nations and how God divided the nations and their inheritance when he separated the sons of Adam and he set the boundaries of the people according to the numbers of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob. And in place of his inheritance, God, the gods of the world were then set against the gods of Israel. So what does that mean? Deuteronomy 32, there was a revelation that Moses had in that time where he actually saw what happened at Babel and he saw that the gods of this world, Damonion as in the Greek, The principalities, powers, and darknesses of the air were divided among the nations at Babel, and suddenly we see the seven mountains be established on the earth. So we see that the kingdom of God was set apart. He chose a people, the smallest ones, and he basically said, "All right, guys, if you're gonna if you're gonna build this tower, if you're gonna set yourself up to be God, then I'm gonna go ahead and scatter you across the earth, and instead of of adhering to." The Edemic mandate that was released through Noah just chapters before. Noah was told to go into the earth and basically recreate Eden. But once again, rebellion came into the world and God divided it and divided the gods of this world. And he said, now we see the kingdom of darkness and we see the kingdom of light. And through my mountain, I will establish a new Adam which is Jesus, through a people that have no boundary or border. That actually, if you read on more further in Deuteronomy 32, he talks about how they not only don't have boundaries and borders, but he, it will be foolish because no man will be over them. It's only one man, and that is Jesus. So this kingdom has been established since Genesis 10. Since the beginning, we've seen the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And since then, because Matthew 24 pretty explicitly says it, there'll be kingdom against kingdom. Do you know that Jesus was asked 183 questions in the gospel? 183, that's a lot. He answered three, and this was one of them. That's a pretty important one. I think it's a key to a lot of things that we find in scripture. So when Babel was built as a mountain of authority and set aside, they set themselves up to act as God. And the world systems of this day under Babylon do just that. There is a battle for Zion for the seat of divine authority over the nation. And over America, that right now there's a battle in our government and political systems. We're seeing people start to shake the foundations in trying to to bring the systems of the world into the system of the church, and we're starting to see a little bit a mixture where people are waxing and waning between culture. And we're seeing the doctrines of demons beginning to be preached from the pulpit. We're starting to see mixture start to be released as prophetic words. We're starting to see soulish things prophesied as white witchcraft straight from the church. We have to break covenant. We have to break out and be set apart because that's the mandate, the edemic mandate. Through, through one man's sin, we step into another. We have to break covenant with the systems of this world in order for our prayers, in order for our families, our spiritual life, in order for the kingdom within us to come out of us. And Jesus knew this and he gave us a key. He said Whenever the uh, Pharisees, right, were saying, like, you can't, you can't heal, right? You can't do, you can't do this. Uh, you have a demon in you. Like, you're not supposed to be able to heal this guy. And he said, well, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So he was of one kingdom. But in that, you see, if you take the inverse of it, the plan of the enemy is to plant division. He's trying to divide our kingdom so that the kingdom in our heart suddenly fall into compromise. So the error of the age, the doctrines of demons that are being preached from the pulpit, actually Revelation addresses that as well. And it's it's the church of Pergamum. It's a compromising church. And I'm just gonna go ahead and read this to you and then we'll kind of unpack it. And to the angel of the church of Pergamum, write, These things says he who has the sharp two edged sword. That's a key. The word of God is like a sword, right? Rightly dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, exposing your innermost thoughts and desires. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam and who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality." Thus you have those who hold the doctrines of the nicolaitans which thing i hate repent or else i will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches to him who gives the, to him who overcomes i will give some of the hidden manna to eat and i will give him a white stone and on a stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it the Lord revealed to me through this that uh the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is right now rampant in the body of Christ. That through the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans were actually a group of people that they uh, in Pergamum, they sat underneath the the acropolises, all the all the different places where uh the temples and the places of sacrifice and the Nicolaitans even though believers actually uh, said, "Hey, like we don't necessarily need to enforce our religion of Jesus like on everybody. We don't really need to talk about it. It makes people feel uncomfortable. We don't really need to uh, um, not go to the temples. The temples are fun and I like them. So like that's not that important for us to be set apart. Like we can actually do those things that everybody else is doing. We can go to the bathhouses and you know do what they do there. We can, uh, we can go to the, watch the theater because the theater during that time was just a crazy Thing, but most people, the 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 lasciviousness that was actually in the theater, they they would take part in it, and the Nicolaitans not only would take part in that. The Nicolaitan is actually mentioned twice, and, and it's all, both in Revelation. But what John was doing, what he's illustrating, was compromise. And compromise is a doctrine of demons that actually says that, hey, you don't have to do everything because, hey, you know what? That was interpreted back in the day and it was by a guy that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, it, it doesn't fit in today's culture. Like we, we, should, we don't need to listen to that. And we see this preached all the way across America and it's straight up is a divided kingdom. It's straight up is from Babylon. It straight up is a demon. And under this seat of authority, that divine seat, there are doctrines of demons that are trying to establish its powers and systems within the church. And we have to break free. So there's four things that... uh, the Nicolaitan church preached. Number one, there was no emphasis on separation from the world. They preached a gospel of inclusivity. They could accept and embrace everyone in whatever lifestyle they were in and wherever they were in the world. And they said, come on, it's fine. You don't have to get rid of that stuff. It's for a different time. It's for the church before us. And they embraced them regardless of their lifestyle choices. And I'm not just talking about sexual sin. I'm not just talking about lifestyle and homosexuality. I'm talking about sin and compromise. I had a dream in 2017, and the Lord showed me what was coming to America. And have you guys ever had one of those dreams that it just shakes you to your core, and you're like, what just happened? That was crazy. Well, in this dream, um, I was all of a sudden placed in my living room. And it was one of those encounters, you you know, like Paul says, like whether in my body or out of my body, I do not know. Like it was one of those weird things where the spirit realm was kind of fuzzy and I couldn't really understand what was happening. But I suddenly appeared in the living room and I sat across from two people. They were wearing all black, a man and a woman. The man looked like he was living in his mom's basement and he was, kind of looked like he, like he played a lot of World of Warcraft or something. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It was strange. And then the woman was wearing all black, black jacket, black shirt, black pants, black shoes, dark black hair, black adornments. And over their shoulder, I saw images from the media begin to project and I watched Movies and I watched TV shows and I watched media and news begin to preach and I heard them. They were describing it, what this was. It said, since the 1980s, we have been bringing in the gospel of equality. And I watched as all of these High figures in society were, were preaching this gospel of equality only in part. See, in the 1980s, it was it was still kind of offensive to show certain things on TV. It was still kind of not okay to show, uh, like, I remember even growing up, like, I love Lucy. You saw the people, like, they had to sleep in separate beds. Like, anytime things happened on television, it, it I had, like, a guise of righteousness, right? But now, since then, I've watched as I've grown up what we once tolerated is only yeah, our, our conscience has been seared in that place. So we move on just a little bit further and our conscience gets seared in that place. So we move on a little bit further. And the next thing you know, we're watching things that are, are literally full of demonic things. And we're seeing this gospel preached in the church and it's slowly but surely we're we're seeing that gospel equality preached from the pulpit where inclusivity and equality is now the standard and not the rule. Number two, it had no emphasis on the doctrines in the Bible. It was all about progressiveness and it was too restrictive for other people to believe. It was by motivation only and this is the word that they used, you don't have the right to judge me. Doctrine was replaced by social action and social justice and mass audience just to make themselves feel better. Number three, it had no emphasis on truth and, it was, and no absolute biblical authority. There was a interpretation of scripture that seemed right to a man, seemed right to a culture, seemed right to the times, it, whatever didn't bring conviction and realign me with the word of God. Number four, no exclusionary belief that Christ alone is the way to heaven. Modern Nicolaitanism was in the guise of tolerance, and it makes the gospel merely a truth among other truths, and it is universalism. It has broken my heart since college. I was in a revival group where we met almost daily, and we watched God just pour out encounter after encounter on us, and since then, I've seen people, even from that same group, there's about 60 of us, that have completely deconstructed their faith, completely gone back on the way that they, they knew, and they've brought in the systems of this world into their faith. You see it with a lot of worship leaders these days, worship leaders will be strong in their faith and then suddenly they will deconstruct and break down the gospel so that it fits with the times. And I believe this morning, Babylon literally means uh, uh, the gates, gates of the gods. And if the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail, that makes sense, right? Right? That the gods of, of this world will not prevail against the, the age of this church. And I believe that this morning, what God wants to do just within our body, um, He wants us, as it says in Revelation, to come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive her plagues. For the sins have reached the heaven and God remembered her iniquities and render her what just justice she has rendered. I believe that this is a time that we have to completely come out of that system, out of that world, because We have to stand as a people for this nation. We have to stand as a people for revival to pour out because we will not see that as long as we tolerate these things. And as long as we say yes, or that's just okay, as long as love is love and God is love, don't judge me. As long as we say okay to those things, we will not see an outpouring of the spirit because we will miss it. We won't understand why we miss it either. We have to come out of Babylon. And I believe that the Lord wants to do just a few things this morning. I believe that when Babylon comes into your life, it manifests as chaos. That chaos whenever it's it's within your life and when the doctrines of demons actually come in, it's it sows seeds of chaos and it begins to to manifest in, in our hearts and in our lives and spiritual walk. And I believe that God wants to break chaos off this body. He wants to break chaos off our spiritual life. He wants to break chaos off our families. He wants to break chaos off of our finances, off our household. And I believe that we actually just corporately need to repent for the church in America for this outpouring to come and and land on good soil. And I believe that as a body of believers, we have to see rightly the, the systems of this world and how they are trying to infiltrate our church, no matter how charismatic we are. So let's just pray. I kind of want, uh, if you guys will come into agreement, if you want to come up and... and play some music. I want to actually just step into the Spirit real quick and do some spiritual warfare. I want to step into the Spirit real quick, and I want us to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit to repent for the land so that we can see an outpouring of God, like what this nation needs. And I believe that from this place, from this house, we're going to start to see a manifestation of the Spirit in ways that we've been longing for that we have to repent of that Nicolaitan spirit. I did it this week, and believe me, I got delivered. I did not think that I was gonna need to, and I did. <laughs> God's good, and there's so many things that over since the 1980s that has been preached in the church in America that is wanting us to compromise, and we have to realize that there's only one kingdom, that is only from Zion, that we can stand from that seat of authority, so we can stand in that place and stand in the gap for this nation, for this generation to come to know Jesus. So let's just enter in. I just wanna just kinda just take a moment, take a beat and focus your heart, focus your soul. If there's a place in you that you need to repent of, the first thing we need to do before we step into warfare over this nation, the first thing we need to do is repent of our own sins. If you've compromised in your heart, if you've allowed sin to enter in and you've said through justification so that I didn't have to repent, if you said, no, this is okay, then we have to come out of agreement. And I believe that there's a spirit of grace in this room that God wants to bring humility. He wants to He wants to break the back of pride. Pride is the knife in your back that doesn't hurt. And I believe that God wants to, to shake off this system of the world, just like Tracy was saying, with that octopus on people's heads, the mind control of what's in this nation, the, the tyrannical reign that's trying to make its way in to conquer the people so that we compromise the truth. So Jesus, we just, we repent, Lord. We repent individually, God. We just repent for allowing the systems of this world into our mind, into our heart, and our spirit that's bringing mixture. And Father, we know that your word says a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump. So Father, I pray that you would just make us new in every way, Lord, that you would remove all iniquity. You would remove all striving, all bitterness. Father, that you would remove all mixture from our hearts, all compromise from this body. Father, I pray that you would begin to pour out your spirit on all flesh, Lord, that it would land on good soil. Jesus we are in desperate need of you we are in desperate need of an outpouring God and Lord we humble ourselves before you and we pray that you you would pour out your spirit on us Father we repent of our wicked ways and we pray that you would heal our land Jesus we need you more now than ever so right now in the name of jesus i take authority over every nicolaitan spirit I take authority over every Nicolaitan thing, every doctrine of demon right now in Jesus' name, that it would come up and come out of this body, that it would come up and come out of every person in this room. God, that you would send angels on assignment, Lord, to seek and search the souls of men for us to come into the grace of heaven, the grace of your blood. And in Jesus' name, Lord, we take the power and authority of, of Jesus Christ that we've been seated in heavenly places and we decree and declare that this church, this body will not fall victim to the ways of this world will not fall victim to the ways of this church will not compromise in jesus name in jesus name in jesus name we will not compromise we are a people set apart holy undivided that we are standing lord in the gap for this generation for this nation lord and i pray that you would pour it out on this generation you'd pour it out on us jesus Father, I pray that there would even be people in this room that would go out, that would go out, that would go out and preach to the nations, preach to cities within America and to bring repentance to them, Lord. I just see, I just see Jonas. I see Jonas in the room. Jonahs in the room just to beginning to speak life. Speak life and prophesy that there might be a repentance in the land. There might be repentance in the land and that our heart would come into agreement with the decrees and declarations over the nations. But Jesus would have his just reward. Jesus, we need you. Father, I pray that you would send the plumb line. I pray that you would send the plumb line. I pray that you would send the plumb line through our heart, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, Jesus. I pray that you would rightly align us. Father, we break agreement with sensationalism. We break agreement with emotionalism. We break agreement with uh, the doctrines of this world. We break agreement. We break agreement. We break agreement. We break covenant with Babylon, Lord, in Jesus' name, that it has no power, no root of authority within our mind. It has no power, no root of authority within our soul. And in Jesus' name, we decree and declare that from this day forward, this body would step out changed. That the very minds and imaginations of our hearts would be changed and rendered with the life that only comes from heaven. One of the other ways that the Spirit manifests in Ephesus, it talks about the dead church. It talks about a dead place in our spirits. And I believe that God wants to to awaken our hearts to shake us out of dead beliefs, to shake us out of dead places. So I just wanna pray for that. If you're feeling spiritually dead, if your dreams have died, if the dreams, that, if you're not dreaming at night and you were a dreamer, if you feel like you're not called to this anymore, if you feel like this is not really for you, you haven't really been feeling it and God hasn't been moving in your heart, I wanna pray for you right now. So, Father, I pray that you return our hearts to our first love. Father, I pray that you would pour love in this room. I pray that you would you would pour out your spirit in this room, Lord, that you would set our gaze like doves' eyes, you would set our eyes like doves' eyes, not to look to the left or to the right and revive our hearts, Father, and we break off the power, the power of death over our spiritual life. We break off the power of death over our dreams and visions. We break off the power of death over our spiritual walk in the name of Jesus, that you would walk again in Eden, that you would walk again. Again, in the cool of the evening. Ella <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that the prayer life, the intercessors would rise once again and with confidence would step back into the prophecy over this nation, would step back in, Lord, that the words that have been stolen, the words that have been stolen from the mouths of the prophet, that your word would pour forth, that the bowls would be tipped once again, Lord. We call forth the intercessors in this room to contend for America. We call forth the intercessors to step in the gap. We call forth the spiritual awakening in this room. In Jesus' name. And we speak grace right now over every household. We speak grace right now over every household in this room. Father, we break the power and the system of this world over every marriage, over every child, over every business. Father, right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, your word will pour forth and it will bear fruit in, in every household in this house. And we thank you, Jesus. If chaos is manifesting in your finances, God wants to break its power today. So in the name of Jesus, every root of iniquity found in the kingdom of Babylon that is in our finances, Lord, we uproot it and remove it in the name of Jesus. We take its demonic authority and power in our finances and in our businesses and we remove it from this house in the name of Jesus. And we cast it into outer darkness, into the dry places in the name of Jesus. We break the power over over, over our finances in the name of Jesus that we would prosper and not grow weary and faint that the works of our hands would prosper and bear fruit in every season and finally I feel that the Lord wants to break chaos off our minds I want everybody to just put your put your hand on your head Put your hand on your head right now because God has to awaken our spirits to overcome the power of our minds. God has to awaken our spirits so that our soul life quiets. So right now in Jesus' name, I speak peace over every mind in this room. And I break the power of delusion, of confusion and chaos over every mind in this house, Lord, that you would bring right standing and right alignment and in righteousness, Lord, your word of truth would divide between soul and spirit. It would expose every thought and desire. Father, I pray that you would pour out just grace and mercy in this hour that our souls would awake to the reality the life in the kingdom and we break the power over our emotions, over our will, over our thoughts and decisions, and all fear of the future and all fear of lack. I just feel like in this nation right now there's a lie. There's a lie that's being spoken that unless you're under the government's control that you will not be provided for. But I want to break that lie and that agreement that over our minds that we would step into the grace and reality that God is our provider and he will not let us fall. So in Jesus' name, awaken our hearts, awaken our minds, awaken our spirits and we break the power. We break the power of the Nimrod of the day, the conqueror of the people, that we will not fall victim to tolerance. We will not fall victim to compromise for fear of the future, for fear of lack, for fear of what happened to, might happen to our children, for fear of what hap- might happen to our finances, for fear of what might happen to our family.